0: boom it's time wherever you are whenever you are and however you happen to be listening we are grateful that you've chosen to tune in to dlc your downloadable commentary for the week dlc delivered the way it's meant to be completely free and that's thanks to our sponsors this week harry's and World of Tanks. DLC, of course, the show all about gaming in its many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. I'm joined, as always, by my friend-slash-co-host-slash-nemesis, the guy who has officially been delayed to 2015,
1: Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. And that's spelled with no N's and no T's. Well, I guess my first name is Christian has yeah. one N An, and, and a T and a T, and, and then you carry the four. And then, hey guys, how's everybody?
0: <laughs> we have, uh, gosh, so much to talk about this week, and we're excited because we've got a great guest. DLC always stands for your downloadable con- Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week we're excited because DLC once again stands for Dispensing Laughter and Counsel because. We are really excited to welcome back, friend of the show, from Polygon.com, from the fantastic and hilarious My Brother, My Brother and Me advice podcast, from the medical history podcast Sawbones, and from the new video game review show Quality Control, named this very morning one of iTunes' best new shows of 2014, Mr. Justin McElroy. Welcome back, Justin.
2: And save. Okay, I save Dragon Age Inquisition. Literally... Just to the last second, wanted to keep playing, but now I've saved, I've saved my game, saved my progress, and I can now proceed to the podcasting. What a what a great pleasure it is to be here! I haven't listened to anything so far uh, because of the drag <laughs> age, but I'm sure it's going to start heating up now. You have my attention. Mr. Kanata. <laughs> and, and that's the show. <laughs> Thank
1: thanks for listening, everybody. Um, this has been a great two hours. Justin, thanks for joining us. God, what a pleasure. I think,
0: to uh, I, think, uh, I think that means I should log out of World of Warcraft. Is that what you're saying? Because I was planning to keep playing.
2: Well, I should um, log out of Origin so you can not know that I'm still f***ing <laughs> playing Dragon Age. Oh, sorry about the bad words. I'm still playing Dragon Age. See, every okay. show I do, I curse a lot. So I, this is going to be quite a challenge. Which, <laughs> it's one that I'm now my it. full interest, my focus to. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: just man, we got for the rest of the show. At least I didn't swear.
0: <laughs> this is already my favorite episode ever. Um, oh, oh god, we got so much to get to, guys. Let's get right to it. Let's start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. gets the story. Of- Story of the Week, the segment of the show where we make our case for the most important story that happened in the world of gaming during the week. Wow. It's uh, it's a week of announcements of trailers. Usually the end of the year here in December is, uh, you know, no big news. We're all just talking about all the games that are, that have come out in the fall. But no, no, no. Now we've got the Game Awards. We've got the PlayStation Experience. Tons of stuff to choose from. And Justin, as our guest with Undivided Attention... Uh, you get first pick. So what what of among all these big huge announcements? I'm curious what your favorite is, what your story of the week is.
2: Uh, well, I will have to go uh, a, a little bit personal uh, and say that the uh, announcement of a studio uh, of Haze Light specifically, the studio that uh, brought us brothers, many of the same people that made brothers, to me is the most personally, hugely exciting it was one of my favorite games uh, of, of last year, and I don't feel like it got uh, it's it, um, a, a huge amount of heat so the fact that uh, that team is getting to make another game is hugely hugely exciting to me uh, that would be my case um runner up yeah to pick a runner up is the fact that how much I enjoyed the uh game awards if we're picking stories that are least believable to me i mean literally <laughs> what 72 hours ago uh it would it would be that uh i was really
0: i was really pretty impressed well let's take these one at a time because i, I do want to talk a little bit about Haze Light. i'm I, like you, yes, uh, you brothers talk about
1: one of them and i'll talk about the other and we'll talk at the same time and that way we can cover more stories that's good that's
0: efficiency i like efficiency um like you Justin. So the game uh, awards it was <laughs> no that's a this is a bad plan this is a bad plan <laughs> um we always get we get criticized enough for talking over each other on the show christian we don't need to do that uh, uh brothers a tale of two sons was one of my top five games of last year it i just thought it was a wonderful wonderful game story-wise uh, control wise, it was innovative and interesting. And now we have a studio formed from that game and, uh, a teaser, which is extremely teasy because there's really not much shown at all of the next game. They're show they're, uh, working on, which is sort of these two guys on a train, uh, sitting on a train. They're just kind of sitting on a train. That's, that's all we get. Um, my question to you about this, Justin is this is now, these guys are part of EA, right Mm -hmm. is this is is this going to be a good thing for them being part of a a big company like ea uh
2: you know i think ea uh is is kind of in an interesting period where they are making plays for i I guess to be to get people to kind of like them a little bit again uh i I mean you look at uh mirror's edge too which although admittedly it will never come out just the fact that they announced it uh and are uh you know talking about it seems to me to be kind of a a uh uh a awakening back exactly <laughs> back on their side. Yeah. Uh and I would count this among it. it, you know, it's it's I think it's good PR for a company like EA to have a critically uh, well regarded game uh and uh, sort of in their portfolio that maybe doesn't do huge traffic numbers, but something they can point to and say, hey, this is uh, this is you know something good, un- unassailably worthwhile that that we're doing.
0: Christian, were you teased by the the teaser? What do you, what do you think of the the two dudes sitting on a train? It kind of gave a little bit of a mood, did it not?
1: I mean, I think what some of my favorite moments in in Brothers was two dudes sitting on a bench. So, <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, this fear and environment well it's it served its job right it it got us talking about it and excited about it and i mean of course we're excited to see more uh it's like we know so little right like what do you extrapolate out of that like it's a a a road tale it's a coming of age story and this is their journey I, i don't know what is it what is it but yeah it served its function good job
0: very cool and the and as you said before Justin, the awards themselves were the a first effort from Jeff Keighley. We talked about these a couple of weeks ago when they were announced. Uh, these are kind of what I think we've all been looking for is a sort of tasteful, respectful, uh, grown-up version of a, of a gaming awards. So yeah. it worked for you, huh?
2: And what a, nice, what a nice feeling that must have been for Keighley after being sort of uh, annually during this production. Uh, I, I think this was a real... Chance for him to show sort of like what he would do free of what I can only assume is interference from the network on trying to make something that they think people want to watch about video games on uh t v which has always been an insane thing because nobody who 's not already super tuned into video games is going to watch the thing in the first place it 's an imaginary mainstream audience they were they were targeting, right. but I think this was like. Keely's chance to show that, you know, what he uh, that he is capable of and perhaps always wanted to make a super respectful, uh, classy, fun show. I mean, there were some duds, but uh by and large, like I I think he executed really well. I was I was um maybe even a little disappointed that it wasn't a little more clown shoes. It wasn't that much fun to
0: <laughs> to rip on. I I I I was pretty impressed. Do you have any favorite moments from the show? Um any uh,
2: it was great for me to see the Coles uh getting sort of honored um i feel like more than um i think in in games more than like film and movies we have a really uh we're really good with keeping sort of like ip classic ip uh in, in it fairly you know revered and i think we don't do a great job of sort of honoring and 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 remembering the talents that uh, have worked previously and, and have done some really great things um you know so i for me it was really exciting to see a, a team that like is not making a game actively that is definitely like part of gaming's history and seeing um uh, uh them being honored i said the Coles. i was thinking of of uh, the the quest for glory people, I, I mean the Williamses, the Williamses, yeah, not Ken the and Roberta Williams, Ken yeah. and Roberta Williams, yeah. Um, I was thinking while I was watching that how much I would prefer a new quest for glory game as opposed to a King's Quest game, and that's where uh, the wires got crossed. But I thought that was a that was really a nice moment.
0: Yeah, that was my favorite moment of the show as well. I'm just because I was raised with the King's Quest games and sort of revering that time period. I thought the, the video package that introduced that moment was really cool and informative for, for maybe younger viewers that weren't around for that time and kind of gave context to why these people were, were being honored. My only bummer was that it felt like just a setup for a game announcement and a trailer debut, you know, and, and that it just felt like, Here's Ken and Roberta Williams, and they come out and they have say something, and then Roberta just goes, "And let me introduce the makers of the new version of the game." And it felt a little, I don't know, it felt a little cheapening of that it moment.
2: Is, it is also this is nobody's fault, but it was very much a passing of the torch moment, and it was a little weird for like one of the very few uh, like women you can point to in game development. Uh, specific, especially from that time period, um, sort of like passing the torch to a dude. It was like, well, finally, yeah. finally, we're getting one. You know, uh, finally, a guy gets a shot at making a game. That I, there's <laughs> nothing that can be done about that. I, it is, it was nobody's fault. But like, that was sort of what struck me while I was watching it. Like, ah, man, that's a little bit of a bummer. But uh, I'm 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 happy for all parties involved. <laughs>
0: A couple of weeks ago, Christian, uh, I gave you short shrift in your in your voicing of uh, being anti Game Awards, and uh, here's a good opportunity for you to sort of talk about what you felt about these awards, and maybe um, maybe touch on that topic again if you felt like you didn't get your, you felt like I gave you um, I I mocked your opinion a little bit, maybe.
1: Did you Hunger Games mocking Jay? Um, Yeah, man. So I was not able to watch. (laughs) <laughs> I was not able to watch them live. I was um, at a comedy club doing shows. but um, So I, you know, I went back and checked things, and I, of course, was following along on Twitter when I was sitting in the green room, and, and my uh, Twitter echo chamber perception of the award show was that it was better, but still like giving short drift to the awards, and it was just kind of like maybe what you're talking about, more geared towards announcements and reveals, which fortunately or unfortunately, is what people reshare and talk about and makes bigger, hypier news stories versus this game we all played, you know, eight months ago, won an award. Okay, what, did you see the reveal trailer for such and such? Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So I understand why a show, um, you know, gears, focuses attention that way. I still think the idea of um a game of the year the way it's presented and um again not watching this live but going back and watching clips of it um i still think it's silly um i i still think it's dumb um i still don't think there's a game of the year and um i i know that there are the oscars and it's the best movie or whatever but i still think that's perceived maybe my difference is that we call that it won the oscar for best picture and it's not swung around as the best picture Um, and the Grammy. Oh, it won the Grammy for best album. I feel like maybe because there are multiple respected award shows, you say the name of the award that it won along with its winning. Whereas I feel like for gaming, it's just game of the year. This is game of the year. Oh, such and such would game of the year. And then they put it on their boxes. We won game of the year. What? No, you what? What? It's not a thing. So maybe I'd feel better about it if people just refer to it as the Game Awards, Game of the Year, is Dragon Age Inquisition. That I might, think people do do that, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do. I feel like that's not what I hear. Uh, hopefully this is a first step towards a better um, game show. I also feel like, again, looking at it after the fact that while it wasn't commercialized in the way that Spike does things, I mean, it felt like Nintendo paid for 70% of it, which is fine, but it felt kind of like Nintendo Directy versus an, an actual awards show that was covering things equally but again i didn't watch it live so maybe i didn't see other parts of the show that didn't feel that way so
0: justin you're actually playing the game of the year as we speak uh, uh according to your um silence <laughs> not <laughs> that, anymore nah, no i'm any joking more, of course not. Professionalism. Uh, Dragon Age Inquisition won Game of the Year. How do you feel about that? Worth worthwhile or um, I mean, has it been out long enough to earn the earn the award? How, what do you what's your feeling?
2: I this is a really weird year for video games. I think that you're going to see more variance in who picks game of like what outlet picks what game to be the game of the year probably than you've ever seen before i do not feel like there is a clear front runner and i wonder if the i, I mean i i by that i mean I don't, i'm not sure how much you can really conclude about dragon age being winning game of the year because i would assume that it was just so split you know like i mm-hmm. I, I can't mm-hmm. imagine there was like the, a big groundswell of support specifically for Dragon Age Inquisition, but like how how much of that is, you know, uh, like Titanfall and Call of Duty uh, were sort of splitting their vote because there wasn't, you know, the, uh, maybe a split there or like uh, uh, among the other genres. I'm surprised that like Dragon Age Inquisition was pointed to as like, this is the game of the year, but I honestly would have been surprised with any game um, winning it like i i think i would have been surprising or which way it, it 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 went i just don't feel like we have as many sort of like grand slam home run slam mm-hmm. dunk uh goals i'm out of sports metaphors
0: uh <laughs> at, in in this year yeah the certainly dragon age has the scale and scope of of something that feels like a game of the year you know there's certain it's kind of like the academy award where there's certain movies that feel big and important Mm -hmm. you know and Mm uh and certainly dragon age fits that bill it's an excellent game i'm i'm thoroughly enjoying it i've put in uh, many more hours than i probably should have playing it um so I, you know, I, I can stand behind that choice, but I think you're right. I think it's it's probably it'd be interesting to know what the uh, what the voting was like. But um, you know, I can stand behind that choice, and in fact, I can stand behind. I would say all the choices for the awards. I, I was I was pretty happy with the with the winners across the board. I mean, uh, action adventure game going to Mordor—that's a pretty great choice. Uh, best shooter for Far Cry Four. I haven't played it, but. For all impressions that I've read, it seems like a solid choice. Uh, Best mobile game, Hearthstone, that's a no-brainer. Online experience, Destiny, I guess because there aren't any other games where you can get online and have an experience that aren't broken that have come out. Um, So, you know, Games for Change with Valiant Hearts, that's pretty cool. I think it was a pretty solid show, and uh, hopefully it, it even grows from here. I just liked, I liked the tone, I liked the respectful nature, I liked how everybody was dressed up and and kind of feeling uh, a, a bit of importance, you know, a, a bit of gravitas with, with this award show, and I think that's what it needed. It didn't need to be flip and Spike TV'd out anymore. I think that's, And there was
2: a really, all the presenters and stuff had, like, reason to be there, which I really dug too, rather than just trotting yeah. out whatever, uh, you know, C-list celebrity you can drive up uh the the street and grab on your way to the show
0: right well christian among uh all the announcements that happened at the game awards among all the big uh trailers that were shown at playstation experience lots to choose from uh, among even other news bits what is your story of the week this week
1: So I want to dive into Street Fighter V's announcement. And um, the announcement is that it is console exclusive to the PlayStation 4 and then also coming to the PC and there will be cross-play between the PC and the PlayStation 4, which finally see console cross-play I'm excited about because it's finally a game where mouse and keyboard is not a better control scheme (laughs) for a cross-play experience. Um, I thought this was pretty big news even though i think you should wait for the next iteration of street fighter that'll be on all of the consoles um how did you guys feel when when this was announced did this impact you one way or the other go ahead justin take it
2: i i honestly i i was surprised but i i'm not invested enough in street fighter to uh to to be to put out by it um it's it it seems weird. It's a weird place to. Uh, I'm assuming a sizable check was cut. It seems like a weird place to plant your flag, but uh, uh, that that it, it was a little bewildering. But I, I can't say I was I was super invested in it.
0: <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting to me as well. I, I was I was surprised by it. It seems like um, these kinds of franchises are less inclined to kind of declare for a particular console uh, and it's interesting too especially in light of the Tomb Raider announcement earlier this year and how there's this hue and cry from the community saying oh no you can't put Tomb Raider only on one console and that turned out to be just a timed exclusive this looks like a forever ever exclusive and there doesn't really seem to be the outcry that you heard from that announcement So, I, um, think, Christian,
2: I think Christian's right I think you're going to see a fleshed out Street Fighter V, go multi-platform. That would be my guess.
1: Street Wait, Fighter V Ultra? Something. Right. I mean, it's not... Uh, this isn't unprecedented. Of course, Street Fighter was a much, I would argue, bigger franchise when it happened before. But, you know, the Super Nintendo got Street Fighter Two, and then the Genesis didn't get it until Championship Edition, I believe. Um, but I feel like, for me, the difference between this announcement and the Tomb Raider announcement is that Tomb Raider was announced at E3, and it wasn't announced, or it was revealed at E3, and it wasn't announced as a console exclusive. It was shown during the Xbox press conference, I believe, and then everybody just kind of assumed it was multi-platform, and here's this game, and it's coming out, and it's going to be great. And then it wasn't until later that Microsoft stepped up and said, and we had, was it at Tokyo Game Show, or I don't remember where it was, where they announced it being exclusive to their platform, and I think that then was the hit to people, where it was like, wait, what? We were all hyped for this game. This game was announced. It was going to be awesome. The uh, remastered or whatever, you know, PS4 version of Tomb Raider 1, the reboot, whatever you want to call it, Tomb Raider, had just come out on PS4 and Xbox One. So everybody was all excited to continue the story or whatnot with the sequel. And then Microsoft comes out and says it's an exclusive. For Street Fighter Five. at its very first announcement, it's a PlayStation 4 exclusive. And I think if you only have an Xbox One, you might be disappointed, but I feel like it's not the same type of outrage that uh, Tomb Raider incurred. That's to me the difference. And maybe I'm totally wrong, but that's where the difference lies.
0: What did you guys think of how Street Fighter V looked? Are, are you, Justin, are you impressed with the, the new game? I mean, they showed gameplay with uh, Ryu and Chun Li. So, Street Fighter.
2: <laughs> it started, um, when they started punching and kicking each other, I just could I didn't watch it. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> oh, you even watched it. Well, I uh, yeah, I mean care. it's uh, I'm sorry. It's so interesting. It's like Street Fighter 5 we're going to show off Ryu and Chun-Li, which of course you would want in a Street Fighter game, but it also it, it looks like a Street Fighter game. I mean, there's some cinematic stuff that's going on and I don't know. It uh it looks really cool. I'm excited to play it, but uh we'll have to see more to to, to feel if this is really going to have an impact in the Console Wars, capital C capital W yeah, so far it
1: doesn't look like the game is as big of a departure as other sequels numbered sequels have been in the franchise, right Street Fighter to Street Fighter 2 huge change between those mind blowingly Street Fighter 2 put the franchise on the map Street Fighter 3 new art assets for every character, n- largely a new roster, of course when that game finally came out it was years and years after Street Fighter II first came out and then Street Fighter 4 gorgeous that like ink blot. Um, you know, watercolor kind of artistic style to it and 3D, but still on a 2D plane on like Street Fighter. I think it was EX that tried to take the franchise into fully 3D. That was horrible. And then Street Fighter V looks good, but it looks to me just like a more polished version of Street Fighter Four. So I think that's kind of where the, oh, cool like people were looking like oh it looks like ryu has a new stance in the trailer and i'm sure technically there's going to be changes but it doesn't look like every other numbered leap every other numbered uh edition has had a leap in graphics and it doesn't look like this game has that
2: i've uh, now watched the footage i'm ready to regale you with my opinion uh man when the two of them start punching <laughs> <hitting> each other just <laughs> just like
1: yes <laughs> did, did that? Did, did, did they start punching and kicking each other before you started trolling fans of the series, or did that come after? It was at the same time. I do can... <laughs> uh,
0: If I had to pick one of these announcement trailers slash new videos slash story of the week, uh, I'm gonna have to go with that uh, that sweet Zelda footage. Um, so they showed off in a, in a kind of an odd way, actually, in a in a in the context of. This award show, where you usually have announcement, world premiere, trailer, they cut to uh, Nintendo, a couple direct. of dudes sitting in a room with, with the t- playing the game, kind of edited down. Uh, very odd moment, but having said that, it was odd. Uh, I mean, it's not just a couple of dudes. Obviously, it's Miyamoto, and you know, it's it's a big. It's a big deal. But what they did show, which was strangely not direct video footage it was like a camera set up in a room looking at a television uh, i saw somebody on twitter uh quip that uh, th- does nintendo not have video capture devices um what they did show however was uh pretty awesome it looks like the new wii u version of zelda is going to be a big open world with uh really really pretty high res graphics. There's all kinds of new functionality with regard to, uh, running on a horse and leaping off of that horse and going into slow mo to shoot arrows. And, uh, it, it, it didn't show a lot of details of what the world is going to look like or be, but, uh, those new mechanics got me excited. I'm excited for any time a Zelda comes out and this one, uh, they say will be out next year. So, uh, that's pretty exciting to me. Justin, what was your take on the Zelda footage? Uh, I I I was one that um,
2: really loved uh, about thirty percent of Skyward Sword and wish it could have just been condensed into like the really true great Zelda game that was sort of within there. Um, right. So I guess when the focus is on sort of scope like this, um, I, I start to it, it, it worries me that there's going to be more of a lean into that uh, sort of design choice for Zelda. I the problem that I have is I think that with i don 't feel like the mechanics of Zelda support um sort of intrinsically support a giant open world where you wanna uh you know there there aren't like plus one whatevers that you can go find in like a hidden cave you know it's, it, it, there aren't right. the little stat tweaky things that sort of like can constantly reward you for being in an open world so i'm I'm curious to see how they how they address that how they put enough stuff. In an open world Zelda game to make it make you want to like go and explore all these different locations and give you a little bit of uh, you know uh, something other than you know twenty rupees every time that you help the farmer find his lost ring or whatever the heck but uh, yeah I mean, that it certainly that's looks great
0: that 's a great point because I feel like from past experience with Nintendo games, it feels like what they could do, and I hope they don 't is you know, have the, you, you running through the field and, oh, look over there, there's that place that I know I could get to when I get my hook shot, but I don't currently have my hook shot, so I better, I'll be coming back here later, And but now I have to run all the way across the map to do this other Oof, thing. Oh, and I got yeah. my hook shot, so now I run all the way back across the map to go back to that spot that I saw where I could use my hook shot, you know, it, and, and that is open world in the sense that you can go anywhere, but these places are just little, you know, little previews for what you're going to be doing at a certain point uh, when you run back here. I I was excited by the idea of fixing horses in games where they they kind of made a big deal about uh as nintendo often does they made a big deal about a a little thing which is like you get on your horse and look a horse doesn't run into a tree and i was like yeah that's kind of a stupid thing to point out but also i've been playing so much dragon age inquisition and every time i get on my stupid horse and my stupid horse is trying to climb up a stupid mountain and i keep jumping and running into things and pounding into a can't get around the side of a fence because my stupid horse can't stupid horses Right?
2: Or they get uh, halfway and, over the fence and
0: they're like, oh, no, I'm good here, boss. Just come back <laughs> yeah. for me later. <laughs> right. Uh, the idea that they kind of... Nintendo seems to be the only company that that thinks things through like that and uh, doesn't just go, well, we'll put it in and, you know, give you full control over it. It's like, well, Nintendo goes, you know what? That's not really how horses behave, so let's make a game where it's more like how horses behave. I think that's kind of cool, and I love that's that's the level of detail and the level of polish that nintendo takes time to
1: do and i appreciate that so hopefully we'll get uh, that level of polish in witcher 3 now um with that you know what i'm talking about teams that take yeah. time to take polish a little tease to a story real quickly on zelda though i think my fear is, is what you hit on largely jeff and to me while it might technically be an open-world game, I think there's a vast difference between a game that is a true open world where there's stuff to explore and things to do and what I would call an open hub. And open yeah. hub games are just really, really big things that you walk around and don't do anything in. <laughs> and, and while the graphics looked beautiful and the art direction looked stunning, my fear is that you're going to have this vast expanse with very little to do in it other than go to the dungeon.
0: I prefer open hug
1: games. I like those.
0: On that note, we need to take a pause real quick and thank our sponsor, Harry's. It is that time of year, folks, that time of year when you're shopping for gifts, when you're shopping for gifts for yourself and for others. And allow me to suggest Harry's as a fantastic gift. This is perfect, the perfect thing for your dad, your brother, your weird uncle Harold that uh, you know you can't figure out anything to buy for him. This is perfect. Every dude needs shaving equipment, and Harry's is awesome. Really cool, stylish shaving equipment that isn't going to break your bank. It makes for an excellent gift. It it's something that everybody needs, and so few people even want to take the time to buy. Harry's makes it easy, and Harry's Winter Winston set is only thirty bucks for, uh, you get a sleek chrome razor, three high quality blades, their amazing foam shaving gel or shaving cream, and it's already wrapped for you as a gift, and shipping is always free with Harry's. And guess what? We're gonna give you five bucks off if you use our promo code, which is DLC Holiday. DLC and the word holiday, all one word. We're gonna give you five bucks off, so it'll only be $25. And you'll—that's uh, that, even for people who are already Harry's subscribers. So this is not just for new new subscribers. All listeners of DLC can get five bucks off when you buy the Winter Winston set with the promo code DLC Holiday. You get the razor, the three bra- blades, foaming shave uh, gel, or shaving cream for just twenty five bucks. Like I said, it's the perfect gift. Uh, you can check dad off your list. You can check your weird uncle off the off the list. Anybody can use this stuff, and the stuff is really cool. It makes a cool gift because it's not just oh, I got you a you know crappy razor from the drugstore. No, it comes packed in a really awesome designed case. It's it's like opening an Apple product or something. It looks really cool and it's super high quality. And the best thing is that Harry's is socially conscious. They give a percentage of their sales to charity and they allow a percentage of their employees time to be volunteered to their community. Uh, and their community uh, partner this year is city here. That's super cool. It, it it's a nice thing to be able to support a company like this that does really cool stuff like that. They also have a limited edition line just for the holidays. Giftable sets that start at just 15 bucks. Shipping is always free. Such a hassle to have to worry about that kind of thing. Don't worry about it. Harry's has awesome shaving stuff. I use it myself. I know Christians used it. It's great. And you get 5 bucks off. All you need to do is go to harrys.com use that promo code DLC holiday and guess what you got some cool gifts to maybe give yourself or to give the dudes on your list that need a good shave all right uh, back to the announcements there's there was a lot of stuff announced uh, at the um, game awards let's uh, let's hit on a couple of more just to talk about them uh, new game uh, no mans sky gameplay was pretty amazing. Um, that game continues to, to wow me and I, I get, I'm just so nervous about it. I'm so nervous looking at new man, uh, no man's sky stuff because I think don't get your hopes up, Jeff. Don't get your hopes up, Jeff. This can't be that it can't be that it can't be the answer to all your dreams, <laughs> right? I, I think that the, the best thing that no man's sky team could do uh, or, or more specifically,
2: you know, their, their PR folks is start, uh, Start setting, like, lowering expectations, I feel like. Right. like That is the crazy, like, their, they're like, spiel, their pattern that they tried out every time, like, every atom procedural, your, every sky is different. Look around, you'll find your dad. Your dad's in the game <laughs> somewhere. Like, I, I feel like the best thing to do is start, like, well, okay, your, your dad's not in it. Sorry we <laughs> yeah. said that earlier. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think they should probably make a disclaimer about that. I mean, every trailer shows you see, seeing the most amazing things ever, getting out of your ship, walk, like walking in a circle, getting back in your ship and going to some other amazing place. I'm like, okay, so it's, I can't, there isn't anything to do yet that they've shown. It's just looking at the coolest looking stuff. So let's not get my hopes up about the stuff we do being super fun. Christian, are you worried about there not being any fun in this amazing game?
1: I mean, it is. It's the burden of their own expectations or of our expectations that we put on them where, holy moly, that first reveal. And it was like, well, this can't be real. And it's being made by one guy with one hand tied behind his back, typing (laughs) only with his tongue while he eats ice cream cone. You're like, this is crazy. And then every time they every time they show it, though, the reason the hype train continues to roll out of the station at a blistering pace is because every time they show it, it looks better. And it looks to continue to, to deliver on promise. So, yeah, I mean this this hype train is going to crazy town, and there's only one <laughs> chew, there's only chew. one thing that can happen. It will get derailed. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not, but man, it looks great.
0: Uh, two other really cool looking spacey type games. Uh, one from the the guys who made Gone Home, Fulbright. Uh, this Tacoma game that looks a little Bioshocky, reminiscent of that game a little bit. Uh, space entering a space station kind of creepy exploration thing and then the other one is adam orth's new studio uh 310 or 310 i guess it is all spelled out as uh, a game called adrift which promises to be zero gravity sort of the movie gravity uh, exp- uh you know surviving in space with no violence it's an it's a violence-free game it's just about exploration and survival um justin what do you what's your take on those two
2: I, man, I bet both of those cats were kind of watching the, the other one, like, ah, oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> <God, laughs> uh, I, I, I think that Tacoma looked. I, I mean, certainly interesting. It's sort of it's. It, it, I'd almost put it like, like, I almost feel like I knew less about it after, like, very low key. Usually, if you are going to get like a ten or fifteen second like little snippet, it'll be something that's really gonna wow you um i i i felt like these were weirdly sort of like or maybe they're they're uh, you know uh, doing justice to the tone of the of the final product but um obviously like the existence of of both of those projects is like really cool to me i I think adrift probably did a better job of showing giving some idea of what the the actual game was going to be like um but obviously super exciting to see what um those cats are working on
1: yeah christian any thoughts on those Uh, it's a great time to be a gamer. I mean, oh, it's another Call of Duty, oh, another first-person shooter, and that's only if that's all you're looking for. I mean, since last gen, continuing this gen, the the wide breadth of types of games is astonishing, and it continues to to grow. I love the fact that these are two very unique games, and somewhat rightfully so, Justin, you're joking like, oh, great, the same game. That's awesome! (laughs) Like, we have choice within a style of game that you know five years ago 10 years ago whenever however far you want to look back there was no game like that and now it's becoming right. a, cro- a crowded space that's great yeah
0: a couple there- others before we sort of fold into the uh playstation experience announcements um more footage of the order uh 1886 there's a game before which looks pretty interesting um And uh, the King's Quest reboot, which uh, I'm excited for. I was a huge fan of King's Quest. I think that shows a lot of promise. I love the odd gentlemen and what they bring to the table. Uh, And then the human element is uh, that first-person shooter, sort of post-apocalyptic, looked a little bit like, um, uh, what was the id game from a couple of years ago? Um, Rage. Yeah, Rage. Looked a little bit like Rage. Um, What do you guys, any of those you want to, you know, dealer's choice on any of those you guys want to talk about?
1: I mean, no, we're, oh, so we're so early. We're so early. They, they look great. Whatever. Hopefully, they come out. <laughs> that's always my fears. Hopefully, they come out. But it was again. I think it's cool. Just in those games you mentioned, a very wide variety of gameplay, and I think that's awesome.
2: I uh, I I really feel like it's time for. I, I feel like I know. Le- we've known about the order. I think if memory serves, it was announced like during the PlayStation Four reveal. Does that? Does that yeah, sound I so. right? I feel like I've been hearing about that one for a while, and I'm starting to get a weird vibe off of it. And that is, this is literally not based on anything other than like having done this for a long time. Um, when when I see three different like sort of looks at a game, I feel like this one, and then we got another look at E3, and then this um, th- that that seem to be showing like like telling very different stories. If you remember the E3 uh, presentation uh, uh, of the Order, it was like. Fighting like a one on one with a werewolf, yeah. Um, where you're kind of hiding from the werewolf, and it looked almost kind of like survival horror esque. And then in this one, uh, this this new reveal, no supernatural elements to speak of, uh, and they're they're like on a zeppelin, and it's like I, I don't know. That's a weird. That's a weird story you're telling about the order. I, I I'm starting to wonder if they if they're pivoting on that one, or maybe they showed it. Uh, a bit early, earlier than they than they should have.
1: Um, I'm, world, getting, I'm getting a world overrun by werewolves. To escape, overrun world of werewolves, you f- take flight in the zeppelin. Are you are you kidding? Did you not see that? Like when? <laughs> and,
2: and the rest of the game, just like man, I'm glad we're not down
0: there. Look, <laughs> Look <laughs> at how those
1: werewolves. How, how much <laughs> fuel exactly. do we have in the
0: zeppelin?
2: Right, I hope it's infinite because I do not want to go back out there. <laughs> uh,
0: I, I I feel ya on the concerns, but man, I am eating up this game. I, I I just love the I love the steampunk. I'm a sucker for steampunk, and I just think it's such a cool, unique in- looking place. I don't know. I'm I'm hoping it's awesome. I really
1: want that think, game to be amazing. I do think part of the long. Um, reveal on this right was the game i think was originally intended to come out much earlier and then even after they gave it its first release date it then got a delay into what february 2015 so i think it's kind of one of those things where if they had delayed it and then not shown anything again either at the game awards or playstation experience people would be like oh dude this game got delayed and now we're not seeing anything so i almost feel like there's an obligation to keep showing it And to some extent, maybe that's ruining the experience. Or maybe they've spoiled something that, or not spoiled, but, you know, they've had to release something that they didn't want to because what else can we show? Uh, Here's a new asset. It's a Zeppelin. (laughs) Get it out there.
0: Yeah. Um so with the PlayStation experience which these both of these events sort of fed into each other and it was this weird uh, I it was a blurring of the lines certain games were shown twice it was it was a strange weekend for me uh with all this news but uh, you know me picking Zelda as my story of the week made me not pick Uncharted 4's 15 minute gameplay trailer uh which was a contender because it's Uncharted 4 Justin what did you think of what they showed with the uh, the first real gameplay footage of the new Uncharted
2: I love that Troy Baker's in it oh that makes me so happy it's the so funniest <laughs> it's just a, if it wasn't like I, I mean it makes a lot of sense that it like i I get why if 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 I didn't know like the the reasoning behind it um like it almost feels like it was custom made for me to make, like, to entertain me. Like, what if Nolan North was in a video game with Troy Baker? Can you imagine <laughs> yeah. the two of them? And, like, I oh, know I can't tell me more. That's more exciting, I think, than any of the gameplay they showed. Just, I want at one moment, like, there to be a real passing of the torch where Nolan North, like, I, or, or, or sorry, Nathan Drake is like, I listen, I'm, I'm getting too old for this game. You're the guy that's in every game now. I'm passing the torch <laughs> off to you. Maybe this is, this is a ceremonial torch passing.
1: Well, they it's switch the, uh, characters mid-game. They just start voicing <laughs> yeah, each other. To, to see if anybody notices.
2: Yeah, that's a lot figuring out with, like, which one is talking <laughs> in, 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 in like, gameplay scenes like that. Is
1: that, a uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: that's amazing. It's the, uh, it's the Arnold Schwarzenegger Stallone movie in the 80s that we never got, but for a completely different uh, small little niche <laughs> audience. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh Christian, you're an unabashed
1: uncharted fan. What did you think? It I mean it looks like more uncharted, which I think is a good thing. I I think it looked beautiful. Um I think some of the new things um but not I didn't you know, I wasn't there. I don't know if you could go hands on or not, but the combat looked a little more fluid to me um before the the hand-to-hand combat in uncharted games always um looked cinematic but i thought was kind of a bore to play and it looked like they improved on the hand-to-hand combat and it looked like they improved on the gun, gun play and going in and out of cover as well i thought it was cool in the gameplay demo um if you don't want to know anything about it sorry i'm going to talk about what, a little bit what happens you know drake's exploring going around this thing and he sees a guy and then he takes a shot and then oftentimes in gameplay demos Things go well planned, and I'm sure they. Don't get me wrong; I'm sure they planned it to go this way. But um, Drake gets spot, and 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 things go to he- get spotted, and things go to hell in a handbag. And you get to see him. It looks like what a lot of gamers will go through, right? Like scurrying, running. How do you get out of this situation? Um, you know, you weren't able to kill everyone via stealth, and now you. How do you navigate and shoot and kill and move and run? And it looked cool. It looked exciting. So. Um, I mean, I was excited for this game before. I'm still excited for. I mean, personally am perfectly okay if it's just more Uncharted. I'm not looking for them to introduce spherical planets <laughs> or something. They don't well, I build. mean, I think
0: I think that this is this is what you do. The first the first uh, sh- you know bit of gameplay you show is, hey, it's still Uncharted, and then the second time you show it, it's like, oh, but look, there's some new stuff. Zeppelins. There's zeppelins. Zeppelins. Yeah. Zeppelin werewolf. Yeah. scenarios <laughs> well
1: there probably are werewolves unfortunately they always manage yeah, to mess up the last eighth of an uncharted game
2: uh we I get guess remat- I was a little I, I was a little disappointed that and i mean maybe this shouldn't be a surprise to me at this point i i will always feel like one of the biggest shames of like the last generation and now i guess sort of extending into this one is that this franchise is so focused on like the 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 mass murder of of like <laughs> yeah. waves upon waves of dudes, and I know it's like kind of an obvious narrative contrivance, and like I uh, you know lots of games have this issue, but I've always felt it more prominently with Uncharted because it has so much else going for it. You know, like that that right. seems weird that it's constantly sort of like leaning on that. I mean, I'm not asking for MacGyver in the game, but I, I guess I was a little disappointed to see that there's still
0: uh, all all that killing. From this, like, schlubby adventurer, dude. Uh, from what it's worth, I am asking for MacGyver the Game, so if anybody's listening... Oh, yeah,
2: um, yeah. If that's up f- for debate anywhere, we are definitely <laughs> in need of MacGyver the Game. Yeah. Isn't that
1: kind of just the room on iOS? Where you're given <laughs> limited things, you have to solve how to get out of it, and you're like, I'm a genius!
0: I just hope that uh, Uncharted doesn't come out at the same time as as Tomb Raider. I want those at least to be spaced out a little bit. I hope that do- that weird... The thing that well, tends to happen with movies and with video games where it's like these two games that are very different from, or they're very the same just happen to come out at the same time. It's like, well, if they'd come out six months apart, I I'll wouldn't have to compare what, them.
1: If Sony does that, I mean, that's kind of Microsoft, you know, they couldn't advertise Destiny. So Microsoft launched a build your own bundle. You can get any game that's out right now like Destiny. Um, yeah. Lara Croft is a Microsoft exclusive. If Sony's like, cool, uh, here's our exclusive. Right. I mean, that's that's a bomb. That I, I mean, I think it would ultimately affect sales of both uh, games, but that'd be a ballsy move on Sony's part to just be like, "Oh, here you go. Have fun with this."
0: I don't want to be this guy, but I am going to bring it up. Um, it also seems to me that really this console generation isn't going to be about graphics right it it isn't going to be like, oh my God, the new consoles have so much it looks so much better than the old consoles. am I crazy? is a You're stupid crazy. thing to be worried about No, it's still, thing to-
2: i I have a harder time telling i mean I've I've been saying this for a long time, maybe I'm just old but i i i there is not the gap between like the last generation of consoles in this and this generation like I can look at this stuff and say like that looks great, but a, a Appreciably better, or I don't know. I mean, I, I, it is not the gulf that you saw between like PS2 and 3, for example. Uh,
0: it, it is not, it is not that same distance. And it might <sighs> speak to how far we've pushed those last gen consoles, but I kept thinking to myself, okay, the games that are coming out for this gen, it, it's just the first year. Like when we get that, that second year of games, we're really gonna see, eh, we're just not, you know, and, and maybe I just need to sort of be okay with that because. So-
1: Go play what? Destiny. Go play Destiny on PS3, and then play it on PS4. Shadow of Mordor on Xbox 360, and then play it on Xbox One. Uh, there's a huge. Go play Far Cry 4. Ie, the five frames per second you're able to play. There's, yeah. there's, it's, it's there. The difference is there. The problem is, last gen got really good graphics, and now we're remembering. Like you're remembering Uncharted 2 looking like the trailer for Uncharted 4 because when you played Uncharted 2, it blew your freaking mind. And now you're like, yeah, this is what that looks like. It's like when they showed Halo Anniversary the first time. Last gen I was like, "Oh, well, this is just what Halo looks like. This is just Halo." And then they show me what Halo really used to look like and I'm like, "Oh, yeah. Halo looks like garbage now. Wow, Halo Anniversary <laughs> looks great." I well, think we're we're fooling ourselves. Part of that though
2: is that is that the, the the leaps that are needed to to really take video games into like a new sort of graphical territory. Um I think you—they are things that are are expensive. They're not just processing power. They're like you need people to make the animations. You need people to like create the art assets to that, that these systems are capable of pushing. So it's not just a question of like, are, is the system powerful enough? It's like, do we have the 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 resources to take this to the next level? I mean, animation's is a great example where you. You need a lot of people and a lot of uh, investment. You know, it's not just like we have a more powerful chip. Let's let's amp the the animation slider. Um, that, right, it's that, something you got to throw a lot of uh, a lot of resources into.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I I I agree. Um, and I I I was blown away by the uh, the um, Uncharted footage. I, I am excited about that game. It's just you know you keep going. I want to really be this next gen kind of gobsmacking moment, and I think it's part of that
2: that that it is uncharted though. That it's not like the next thing. It almost feels like that was a uh, like it was very much a PS3 franchise. That like Mm. it almost feels uh, vestigial to have like another one on the next generation instead of something like
0: Brand Spanking New. Interesting. Maybe. Or, or, you know, sometimes though, those, those generation hops between franchises, you, it, it shows it in starker contrast because you can go, Oh my God, look at what it looks like now. Like, I didn't realize that Sly Cooper had ears, you know, or whatever. Um, <laughs> bad, bad example. Um, <laughs> all right. Other things. I don't know if you guys want to mention any of these. Uh, Jaffe's new game, Drawn to Death. Uh, talking about graphics, that's a really interesting, different looking idea where it's made to look like uh, a kid's, high school notebook um i was uh i was really unexcited about this personally but that's just sort of my my aesthetic doesn't isn't really drawn to that but uh kudos for it being different and interesting although gameplay wise it doesn't look that different anybody have an opinion on this one
2: yeah i i think that it's i'm i welcome anytime we get like a new aesthetic like you're saying and i think that kind of goes into what we were talking about we're like there is, I think, there's a lot of territory to make a, a game look amazing by stepping out of like the hyper that that seems to be like the de facto for uh for new game releases. So I think there's a lot of like potential in in sort of going after a different, yeah, you know, a different art style. Yeah,
1: and I think uh, and th- the, the game space is a better space when Jaffe's making games. I don't love all of them, but I I. I love what he does in this space. I think he's a fun, a fun dude to have making games.
2: Can I say I'm a little disappointed that the game wasn't like there was all kinds of cool. His his studio, the Bartlett Jones Supernatural Detective Agency. I guess I was kind of hoping that that would play a little bit more into, you know, I thought we'd get something a little more like or whatever from from their next release or their first release, I guess I should say. Um, Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm a little disappointed that it's not, you know it doesn't have the sort of like Victorian paranormal aesthetic that that seems to, 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 uh, be summoning up. But
0: I no, I agree with you. I, I would have loved that. And I was kind of hoping when he, he was releasing all that information of like ghost hunting and stuff, I was like, Oh my God, I'm really excited. And it's like, no, making sort of uh, twisted metal inside a kid's notebook. It's like, what? What? Okay. Um, other news that didn't just revolve around these two big events this weekend, uh, from the previous week, um we had a leak of the next Assassin's Creed which then turned into an announcement of the next Assassin's Creed. Uh don't get to, don't get worried that there won't be an Assassin's Creed next year guys. There's an Assassin's <laughs> Creed next year. Uh and it looks like a really interesting setting, um Victorian London. I I'm not a fan of the Sa- Assassin's Creed games. I don't I I I wish I was. I'm not, but I but I am a fan of the idea of a franchise where the next cool thing that's announced is the new setting. I love the fact that it's like, hey, the next game's setting is, and that's Victorian London in this case, which is super cool to me.
2: I This is the one I have been asking for, like, literally since the franchise started. Like, Well, since we found out that it was going to be, like, different time periods in each one, this is the one... That I have been the most excited. Like I love this setting. I love the aesthetic. I love the idea of like maybe you're Jack the Ripper. <laughs> That's why no one's been able to solve it. I right. love. <laughs> uh, I I love this time period. Like uh, if they get Sherlock Holmes up in it, I mean, imagine if they get Sherlock Holmes in it, Jeff.
0: I will. I would do be. Then? I would be very excited to to watch the videos on YouTube about <laughs> when Sherlock Holmes is in it. I just don't enjoy playing these games. I want what I want more than anything is Ubisoft to release an Assassin's Creed game, and then like three months later, release Assassin's Creed the the world, and it's just the setting for that game that I can walk around in and not have to kill anybody, and not be hunted, and not have to do. I just I just get to explore it. And look at all the cool art that they made for the game. I, I would pay like 30 bucks for that game just to wander around and see things without having to worry about being detected. Uh,
2: I, were, I, I think that I've, I've had the same thought, but I think the moment that you don't have that, you're going to notice that one guy who's just walking in a circle in the garden and then laying down and standing back up, and then laying down again, and then standing back up. Is guy, that guy is breaking my, he's breaking my illusion.
1: That's probably very true. I just hope that no one on this uh, project announces beforehand that the game will launch unbroken. um, (laughs) Because that didn't work well for the crew. And I think people were concerned or alarmed by the leak and the announcement because they're like, wait a minute, uh, Unity still has problems. And now you're announcing, I know there are different teams or every team (laughs) works on an Assassin's Creed project. But it's scary when they're like, in in this game, we're going to have all these new things. We're going to do all this new stuff. Look at all this new combat. Look at all this, this new we're doing. All that other stuff we did in the last game that still didn't work right, whatever. <laughs> the, uh, well, we're work- but look at all this new stuff. It's scary. Take a year. Take a year, Ubisoft. Take a year. Just sit down. Take time out.
0: Well, theoretically, this team has been working on this for multiple years. Um, you know, It's the breaking up of the different studios working on different games. But I take your point. I take your point. What do you do with it? I take it and I uh, forget it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> um, perhaps the biggest, biggest news of this entire week, though, I think as far as stuff that's going to have impact going forward is you guys are having a baby. No, no, <laughs> uh, is a uh, valve announcing steam broadcasting. This is uh kind of what I've wanted as far as making Twitch easy. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously not associated with Twitch, but just making recording your gameplay easy. And it seems like what's going to happen is you are playing a game on Steam and you press a button and all of a sudden you're broadcasting. And you can decide who gets to watch it, if it's just a s- small subset of your friends or if it's the public at large. It just makes it all easy and i think this is a shot across the bow as far as steam going hey guess what we want to be able to not you just do everything we're just going to, we're going to take all the money um justin what do you think about steam broadcasting um i it's
2: it's weird i i feel like uh this sort of thing is like my it's my pinterest moment like pinterest was the moment when i realized that i was old and i wasn't going to keep keeping up with everything that's happening and, and some things I just feel like that's where I'm going to plant my flag and say I'm not going to understand this I refuse to learn and understand this thing I feel like in gaming like broadcasting game, I, it, it makes me old makes me sound like an old man I just don't I don't know why people would necessarily want to do it I don't understand that people want to watch it but I do understand that both of those things are happening so <laughs> godspeed to, to all parties involved
0: Yeah, everybody loves to do it, and to make it easier, I mean, we've already seen Xbox and PlayStation make it one button to start streaming. Why not a PC? Why not a PC, Christian Spicer?
1: It's great. Why not include it? It, the, The pro and con of this is, it's great, why not include it? The con is to the larger point of things like Chromecast, Apple TV, Amazon, Fire... Like it's great that when I 'm on all Apple, I can walk into my house and then send my screen to my Apple TV and see it on there and that's cool. I want to be able to do that in every house and so it's great that Twitch is great and integrated into the consoles, but then I need to launch this separate thing and if I'm in Steam, how does it work because it's an add-on I need to have this extra thing for my pc you know so everybody wants their own everybody wants their own slice of this pie as it becomes profitable and awesome. I understand why Valve is doing it, but I wish there was just and some people say Twitch is this, but I, I wish for users or for convenience that Twitch integrated in with uh Valve and with Steam and um you know it just became a universal thing. But that's not what businesses are trying to do, but that's what I want. And then I want Twitch to not be cumbersome or load bearing or reduce my frames per second or whatever or hit performance on my console or PC and just work. And it just does this thing and I can do it and it's done and it's all the same thing and it's whatever. I don't have to think about it. We're not there. So I understand why Valve is doing it, but um you know I think it's an unfortunate business reality if that makes sense.
2: I, I, I if I have one one worry about it, it's it's Valve as a corporation taking even more uh, control over the gaming ecosystem. I think it's very healthy for a company like Twitch that doesn't have like those uh, alliances. and doesn't have uh, as much of a dog in the fight as like if if it were Valve or Sony or Microsoft doing this. Um, that they're sort of uh, uh, able to operate outside those bounds. So it, it's a little. I'm a little uncomfortable uh, with with Valve controlling more of the gaming ecosystem. Uh, but you know, like Christian said, it's a It's a business, and they are going to try to do exactly that.
0: Big news this morning from CD Projekt Red saying, guess what? Witcher 3 not coming out in February anymore. It was delayed till February, but now it's delayed again till May. Uh, I think this is great news. This is fantastic news. It was accompanied by a, a statement saying, hey, this is the most important game in our studio's history. We want to make sure... Uh, my my favorite is the phrasing, so I'll read it exactly as, as written. We must be absolutely sure that we did everything we could to limit any bugs to a level that will allow you to enjoy the game thoroughly. Not going to say there's no bugs! Just there aren't going to be bad ones. <laughs> we hope. Um, I i applaud this i applaud the fact that they're willing to delay the game uh i think it's i'm i'm willing to wait for one of my most anticipated games of this entire calendar year and i also feel like uh may is a better time for this kind of gigantic experience the uh, february seems a little crowded already um i'm gonna clear my clear clear, clear my calendar for may it's all Witcher three um what do you what do you think, Justin? Good idea to delay? Are we, are we do we applaud delays now in the light of broken games this holiday season?
2: I'm hu- I'm hugely in favor of them. If you can if you can handle it, like if you can handle the the hit on on your pocketbook, like just 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 keep delaying it. Delay it as long as as humanly possible. I I, I think again, <laughs> there's a risk of of announcing maybe too early with this one. I feel like by the time that rolls around, we'll have sort of like lived in. Which are three for for such a long time that um, there'll be a little bit of fatigue there, but uh, this is I think this is excellent.
0: Boy, you Good. make a great point in that in that sense because you know these p r arms of these companies uh, start timing out things to peak just about release time and then you know you start ramping up and showing more and showing more and it's gonna peaking and then it's like nope we got three months to wait okay let's pull back let's pull back and then we got to peak again we're gonna peak to february we're peaking we're gonna start showing stuff and get you excited and it's like no we gotta wait till may it's like oh boy okay I, i'm getting blue balls here but uh, i think uh, you know yeah it's think- hard
2: because I'm, I'm already at like the gimme point with
0: yeah. witcher 3 like you do not need to market to me anymore gimme right. just
2: gimme give it to me
0: Christian, you should be happy. This
1: is uh exactly what you would, would want, right? Yeah, I want this game to never come out. I have a vendetta again. Um uh yeah, it's great. <laughs> and I think it's 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 a I don't know quite the way to say it. Um they're it's an adult extent, decision. <laughs> they're an indie development studio. Um and I know that uh C D people uh, or whatever the the larger company is, however you pronounce it cdp pl whatever um well they're their own they're publisher ob- which is which is right. nice right so in my I, that's why I'm labeling them as like indie and they're not under Activision or they don't have some large publishing agreement and they're able to do this like Justin was saying if you can survive on the your pocketbook and they have certainly other income streams um it's great let's release it when it's ready no one No one wants something half-baked. Yeah, I'm I'm all in favor of it. It it is annoying as a fan. Like, let me play, let me play, let me play. But I'd much rather play when you're able to play (laughs) than if it comes out in February and they don't have the patch up and running until May. I mean, Master Chief Club Online still isn't. That's true.
0: Uh, All right, so this is a jam-packed news segment. We're going to wrap it up now and head into the playlist. But first... I have to thank our other sponsor, World of Tanks. World of Tanks. It's an MMO for your PC where you can battle other players with massive, high-powered, authentic tanks. You blast away in intense, strategic, armored warfare tanks. It's tanks, guys. You're in tanks. This game got a variety of maps, including some that are based on famous battlegrounds from World War II, but the coolest part is that there are over 300 different tanks in the game. I didn't realize I liked tanks as much as I do until I got into the world of tanks because it's it's really pretty cool. Uh, The tanks are based on real tanks made from seven different nations across the world, include light tanks, medium tanks, heavy tanks tank destroyers, self-propelled guns. Each battle is only between 5 and 15 minutes to play, so you have a quick in and out play time. Different types of battles you can choose from. The gameplay never gets repetitive. You've got clans now so you can build a stronghold for your clans in which you can purchase land to build and improve your stronghold. You get increased battle rewards for members of your clan and uh, the more you build your stronghold, the better your benefits get game is constantly being updated. It's got a huge community with over 100 million players battling worldwide. And the reason so many people are playing it, it's free, y'all. Free. World of Tanks is free to play. Yes, there's some uh, in-game purchases, but guess what? Because you listen to this show, we're going to hook you up with some free purchases. Free stuff! All you got to do is use the promo code... Offer code DLC, which must be in all caps, DLC. You'll get new content, new, you get premium time, a premium tank, 500 gold, all just for plugging in three little letters, DLC, all in caps. I was made aware that that is only available in the United States. Uh, sorry, international listeners. But we do encourage you to check out www.playtanks.us, Playtanks dot us check out world of tanks uh i think you might dig it it's free to try there's you have no risk and we'll hook you up with in-game gold a premium tank and some premium time dlc is your code we thank world of tanks 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 we'd like to say for supporting the show and hope you support them in return all right guys let's do it it's time for the playlist Justin McElroy, uh, I understand your playlist has uh, Dragon Age Inquisition on it. Is that is that what you've been playing? Yeah, I don't have anything interesting to say about
2: it though. It's Dragon Age Inquisition. It's really good. I think I I, I I'm having a hard time balancing forward momentum in uh, Dragon Age Inquisition versus like just obsessively doing every little thing. I do have I have a pro tip for people who. Uh, may be thinking about playing this. Leave, it, the, leave hintro- the Hinterlands? That's leave what I said last week. <laughs> Get out, out of that. the Hinterlands. Yeah, I didn't listen. I didn't listen when people told me. I didn't. <laughs> I stayed. I'm going to do it all. And now that I'm getting to like some areas that are much more interesting, I'm starting to feel some fatigue. I'm like 40 hours getting that itch. Like I'd kind of like to play something else. Uh, there's a lot of games, especially this time of year, that I need to play to because uh, we've got like, game of the year type discussions coming up. So I, I kind of want to move on. And I wish that I hadn't spent so much of that time before I got that itch in the hinterlands. So moving yeah, man. on from
0: the hinterlands, it's so true. Everything you've learned in video games up to that point tells you I need to finish out all this stuff in the hinterlands because who knows if I'll ever come back here? Uh, I got to finish. There's all these quests that I got to finish out. Right. You no. don't. You, you don't, don't have
2: to. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I've been playing a lot of that. Uh. On 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 mobile. I'm still like deeply addicted to Spider Man Unlimited, like in a pretty disgusting way. Um, I haven't checked my playtime recently, but it is, um, it is, it is
0: daunting. I I don't even know this game. Tell me what Spider Man Unlimited is.
2: God, okay, Spider Man Unlimited. Are you ready for this, Joe? Are you ready to get pumped? I
0: I clearly don't think. I don't think I am. But go ahead.
2: Have your phone ready. Okay, (laughs) Spider Man Unlimited is an endless runner slash a crawler slash swinger with some falling in there where you as spider-man are uh running through new york beating up bad people uh, uh swinging from webs any size uh climbing up the sides of buildings and you know fighting crime you collect vials of of uh I guess they're just filled with science. I don't know what the is in the vials, but you <laughs> collect vials, and then this is the glorious part: you take the vials that you collected, and you use them to open a portal to another dimension. And what do you get there? But more Spider It <laughs> That you, it is collectible Spider Man. <laughs> it is the greatest collectible in any video game. I'm obsessed with like Spider Man video games already, and the the one thing that I always have to do is like unlock all the costumes like the, the variants I think like extended Spider-Man lore from like different alternate dimension spider are like are, are really cool because I'm a uh, I'm kind of nerdy like that mm-hmm. and uh, in this game is like just a nip because the thing you are collecting the thing you get for your efforts is more Spider-Man I have like 20 different Spider-Men Are, they, the,
0: the, are, they, sorry, are they? I was just going to ask if there are they like real alternate Marvel Spider-Mans or are they just sort of the game kind of made there's a pink one and one with the, with oh, the no. rat tail oh no
2: my no? friend you've got like House of M Spider-Man uh, okay. Spider-Man Noir uh, uh, a battle damage Spider-Man where his costume's all torn up it's Future feats. Foundation Spider-Man uh, Scarlet Spider Iron Spider uh, Bulletproof uh, Spider Armor uh, like Spider-Girl um, I could go on uh, the Electroproof Spider-Man, and then there's you know the original Spider-Man, and then there's different ranks for each of these. So Whoa. like each one has its own independent level, and you use you know each of them to uh, increase the level, and each one plays the same fundamentally, but has different bonuses. So like one uh, one Spider-Man ups your uh, co- the combo points you get for attacks, and another one. Uh, can keep a combo Street going longer, um, and there's like daily challenges every day that are uh, are actually like really cool. They usually use it to introduce new villains or new um, Spider Men that they're rolling out. And there's a campaign that you can play where you face off against different members of the Sinister Six. That they're still is episodic, so like they're still sort of unfurling uh, the story. But once you've sort of done as much as you can do of that. There are all these like daily challenges, challenges against friends. Sounds like um, there's no limits. There are no limits. It is, in fact, unlimited. <laughs> so that is, that is how I've spent the majority of my, my mobile gaming time for the past couple of weeks. I might
0: have to check that out. That sounds it's pretty good. <laughs> amazing. It sounds like something I would love. Um, all right. Let's get to Christian's playlist. Christian Spicer,
1: what's on your playlist? Uh, Bayonetta 2. More, 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 more. Bayonetta 2. One, Spider Man Unlimited on iOS is crap. Two, Bayonetta really, 2. Really? Have you I played it? Playing. For real? I have. I felt, I, yeah, I was super into it for like a day, and then I was like, it's fine. Uh, I don't play a lot of iOS games except for Zen Pinball. And Spider Man, when I was playing it, maybe they've changed it, Justin. I don't know, but it was really heavy on like, why don't you buy something, bro? And I'm like, I don't want to. But have you tried it? Your friend just bought something. Why don't that you just buy something? Yeah, that has been actually significantly improved. The one, you're you're
2: a hundred percent right that that was worse, and uh they've they've gotten better about that. I don't spend actual money on my. That is about the limit of my. Like dignity will not allow me to buy uh, additional alternate dimension Spidermans. I can't explain that to my accountant. Uh, so, so, but uh, it's a, it's a little bit better. Uh,
1: right now. I may I may give it a shot then. But that yeah that really ooh when it first launched it was heavy. Um, Bayonetta two continues to be um, what an amazing game. What a great action game if you like devil may cries or even god of wars i think god of war you can get away with a little more button mashing than um you know bayonetta or if you liked man this is it if if you liked bayonetta you will love bayonetta 2 (laughs) let me go out on a limb and say if bayonetta was for you oh boy there's a new game out called bayonetta 2 that is right up your alley i didn't like bayonetta 1 and i love bayonetta 2 Oh really? Wow! What's the well? First, let me sing its praises, and I want to know yes. for you why it, um, why it changed, why that changed for you. It's so good. It's so good. It's good even. It's good with an R before the first O. Um, the combat is fluid. The graphics, yeah, they're not top of the line Xbox One or PS4 graphics, but when you're in combat and you're bouncing around, going from enemy to enemy, evading, and then chaining and then unleashing a huge special on somebody you're not noticing you notice during the cutscenes and when you're walking through um an environment before you get to the next fight the game very much still does things where you walk forward oh look i'm in this big open environment oh yep here come invisible walls uh like it's not the game isn't about exploration it's for me not about story this is probably Proportionately speaking, my favorite game I've ever played with the cutscenes that I care the least about. You know what I mean? If you put those on a spectrum like love the game, don't give a crap about like I've never skipped cutscenes before, I've never been that guy. I'm super close to doing it on this game. I just don't care. But man, the gameplay is so much fun. What how is this different? How did this win you over when you hated Bayonetta One, Justin?
2: I I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say hate it. It didn't grab me.
1: I, I got it. Like I sort of got what it was going for.
2: Uh, and and then I my interest flagged pretty quickly. Um, for for one, that just the the uh which time uh system uh uh that is 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 I, I got it. I think better this time. Like I, I I understand it. Um, and just the idea. I always hated like learning combos. Uh, in in character action games, I was never any good at it. And um, the the way that this sort of like you don't need a specific combo if you're nailing the dodging, like you don't need to master those combos. They're fun, but like you can get through uh, without them. Um, I think the other thing is just the sense of scale that this game has. That it's like constantly upping the ante on. Like there's no uh, like you'll see an enemy and. You know that moment when you see an enemy in a game and it's huge and you think, mm-hmm. well that's the final boss. I will check you at the end of the game, my friend. This one will just introduce, you know, skyscraper size build uh, enemies and like, oh no, you're fighting him now. Uh it, yeah, he's got a name. It's like um, I don't know, who cares? toil, Skip it. toil yeah, or something. Whatever. Who cares? I'm with you by the way on the cutscenes. I am li- I am that I think the game wants you to skip them sometimes, like they're (laughs) nonsense. They don't like it is like lines of dialogue that have been just cribbed from other things, like a uh, like like magnet the magnetic poetry of game narrative, just like mixing around things other people have said into something. Um, But I think a lot of that it is a credit to how good the the action is. That like I just want to get I just want to get back to it.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, it's I'm full disclosure, not a huge fan of what I would call traditional Japanese video game storytelling or anime. There are some I like. I like Metal Gear. I realize Metal Gear is ridiculous, but I like that story. I like that universe. But Bayonetta, yeah, it's just, for me, it's all of the eye-rolling stuff from those games. It's like Oh, you are talking. Uh it's like this little kid, weird little kid voice. Oh, look at you, you're just talking. Why are you looking at her? Boobs. Zoink? What? Boobs. And I'm just like, What are you doing?
2: Well, and the mythological elements of it are so crazy that you can't really get invested with the drama. It's like, No, that's an angel that shot God with his brain and now he's two devils. Like what are you talking about?
1: And stop looking at her boobs. P.S. Stop. I'm a gerbil. Zoinks. i'm just like what are you doing? How you get your cleavage. That is not made up. That's a real thing. <laughs> That's,
0: for the game. It's a real thing. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like a winner. I never played the first Bayonetta, but uh, I'm intrigued by Bayonetta 2. I would like to play it. Unfortunately, there's this I game have. called Worlds of Warcraft that um, is on my loaded on my hard Jeff, drive.
2: Jeff Canada, sell me on getting back in the game because I've been out <sighs> the game since like uh, early on in Mists of Pandaria. I dipped in. Mm, pandas love it out back out is it should i get like back in and can i even do that you like, can, can it's so easy now
1: just, oh dude leave you do can't it's so sh- easy. Sh- show sh-
0: sh- christian just let it happen just let's just let it happen <laughs> just, it christian it, it, it uh, yeah. first of all it level to 90 easy no problem boom click a button you're 90 okay so you're right there into warlords of draenor content warlords of draenor content is so good first of all from a story perspective you're actually participating in really interesting story moments blizzard has gotten so great with this engine in communicating story to you in having you uh be right there alongside the sort of big name characters in the world of Warcraft universe. So you really feel like you are wrapped up in that fun mythology. You get to do really cool things. The quest design is all it's the best it's ever been. They've just gotten better and better and better with every expansion. The environments are cool the new enemies are cool everything is so streamlined this is i mean this is the most easily approachable mmo and i don't say that in a negative way i I know a lot of people think about that as a negative thing but it just reduces all those jaggy points that make mmos hard to deal with a lot of times do you want a dual spec dual spec you want to be a healer and a tank if your, your class supports it do it did you get a really cool piece of gear and it's spec for a healer but you switch over your spec to a to a tank guess what that gear will actually automatically convert its main stat over to the tanking stat don't worry about it don't you don't need to stress like that's what the game is constantly saying don't stress just do the fun stuff let's get to the fun stuff also i go ahead
2: uh, i was just going to say and maybe you can help guide me through this the thing this and this is this is kind of embarrassing. The reason I ha- I have it downloaded. Uh the re and I bought it, right? The the reason I'm holding off is that I know I have one like a level 90, you know, jump to level 90, and that's the new content, right? It's like high level stuff. I am so scared of picking either A, the wrong class or B the wrong server. Because I know I only get one shot at it. So I've literally been like researching how like what the right way to go is because I really don't want to mess it up. Cause it's like 50 bu- or 60 bucks to, to get a level 90 character again. Yeah. So I'm, I'm re I'm, I'm really trying to like figure out how to, how to make the most of it.
0: Well, those are big decisions. I won't lie. The, the cool thing is that they te- sort of semi teach you the new class because I leveled a, a mage to 90. I'd never had a, a high level mage before. And so I'd never played a mage, but they do a really cool job of letting you, uh, you know sort of giving your your skills to you a little at a time so you can learn and it's not like level 90 poof, here's this all this information you need to know you sort of like weans you into it a little bit um which is nice and i don't think there's really a bad decision when it comes to class there is bad decisions when it comes to server because if you're not you know on a cool server or you're not where your friends hang out that's you know that's important but it only costs i think 25 bucks to switch servers so not 60, at least. I'll,
2: a- I'll ask you after the show to find out where you are. Oh, yeah. Oh come find
0: I'll tell you. We're on Sargeras. It's one of the biggest servers uh, in uh, all of, of all of them in the United States. Uh, and uh, we have the Totally Rad Guild, which is the biggest guild on the, one of the biggest servers. So I'm pretty proud of it. Uh, that's where I have my Paladin, who's my main, who I just uh, level capped. And um, th- the biggest thing I want to bring up, which is on the forefront of my mind right now, is what the lessons they learned from Timeless Isle. Timeless Isle was a a big patch that came out the end of the the Mists of Pandaria arc uh, that introduced this island that you go to that had all these new gameplay concepts. And it feels like they've taken those ideas and permeated them throughout Warlords of Draenor. And the coolest things about there, those things are what I've always wanted from Worlds of Warcraft, which is making it. Feel like a denser richer more interesting world with stuff everywhere so it's not just run up to the guy to the quest hub get quests go off and do those quests you can still do that but there's so much more to do and that's not just garrison stuff that's <sighs> i like my my worlds in gaming like i like my thomas's english muffins they need to have nooks and crannies right there are tons of stuff littered around this world that you just can discover now. And WoW has never been like that. But I'll tell you one specific story. The other night, my friends and I were playing and we were on the coastline of this one uh, area questing and killing a bunch of stuff. And one of my friends goes, Hey, look out! that in the water. There's a, there's a boat. What's up with that boat? And usually in the history, the 10 year history of WoW, it meant if you if you didn't have a quest sending you to that boat, it meant that that boat was just there to be pretty scenery. Not anymore. We, we sort of swam out to the boat. Actually, he was a chamois, so we had water walking. So we water walked out to the boat. Then uh, we hop on the boat and there's a readable note pinned to the door that said uh, that says, I buried my treasure on these buoys. So we swam out, found a buoy, had another note on it, swam out a little farther. That led to another buoy with another note on it, swam out a little farther. Finally get to this area at the last buoy it said the treasure is beneath us and you swim down and you find a treasure had nothing to do with the quest had nothing to do with anything it was just this cool little bit of fun discovery that is in the game and And inside there's a note that says don't forget to drink your ovaltine (laughs) yeah exactly or or as blizzard always says don't don't forget to take a break from world of warcraft and go outside um yeah, no, but there's tons of that now and there's all these little hidden unique items they've done an amazing job with with the rare elite monsters where, you know, a lot of games have rare elite monsters are just roaming around the countryside. You kill them, you get something cool. WoW has that now, but they've done such a great job in making all those rare elite monsters live in the world in a really interesting contextual way like they all there's like a guy in a cave or a monster that lives in its own little ecosystem and visually design wise it tells a little story it's not an explicit story that has text that you read it just makes sense as to where it lives and so everything really feels lived in it feels like it makes sense it's not it's less like a video game with this sort of binary yes i'm killing you not i'm killing you uh interface is more like oh there's there's narrative happening in everything in in the layout of things and how you discover stuff and that just makes it feel more like a rich fun world they've done such a great job with this game and the the you know the base gameplay loop of you know pulling a lever and getting rewards is still there and it's still just as addictive so i think you should play it okay done deal good good Sargeras, baby! D- direct your
2: guild to send me all their gold.
0: <laughs> I shall do so. Um, uh, I'll be and-
2: the guy who doesn't seem to know where he's going or what he's doing, shooting fireballs <laughs> into the air. Figure things
0: out. Well, and I- I'm excited to talk more in future episodes about the specific dungeons because the dungeons that I've played leveling to 100 are awesome, and now. Starting the end game, it's going to be really exciting to try the heroics. I've heard only good things. Um, So I'm I'm really excited to report on those in upcoming weeks. And I'm still, you know, I'm still playing Dragon Age. It's hard to bounce back and forth between those games, but man, I love Dragon Age. It's so good. Anything else on you guys' playlist? Christian, you got any other, any other fun things? No?
1: nothing i mean i'm i'm still spending time with mario kart 8 the dlc uh the first dlc is still fantastic if you like that game i think it's worthwhile to pick those up and i'm still smashing my way through smash and still having lots of fun and but the menu system remains you know my problems with the game remain um i think that's probably what's going to take me home to the end of the year i might jump on far cry 4 at some point and maybe toad's treasure tracker keeps calling my name because i like those levels in um 3d world but i think i'm kind of I think I know what I'm playing for the rest of the year now. It's weird, you know what I mean? Like we're in that point where it's like, here we yeah. go, let's get to February.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I, I played this war of mine. Did you guys already, already get into that? No, I haven't played it. Um, that was really interesting. Um, I don't. Uh, basically, three. Uh, it, it begins with three survivors in um <clears throat> a setting that isn't specifically in any real world area, but sort of uh modeled on Sarajevo. And, uh, basic flow is you're in a, a ramshackle, uh, encampment in a bill in an abandoned building that you set up, uh, and you have nothing, uh, to your name and you have to start digging out. So, you know, you look through your structure to try to find wood to salvage or metal or components or some scraps of food or whatever, and basically try to eke out an, an existence during the day. And then in, a, at night, uh, you choose one of your survivors to go out scavenging from a certain uh, from from an area that you decide uh, and there some of those areas are inhabited and some of them have more uh, things to salvage than others but uh, it's very much about the the narrative that emerges uh, from that so you you know maybe you'll run into an abandoned building and find a family living there and they won 't uh you know they 'll offer to try to trade or maybe it's one angry hostile guy that 's going to take a shot at you as soon as he finds you um, and there are little moments like that that happen during the daytime too where someone will just um knock on your door and say they found a, a an aid drop from like the Red Cross and they want you to send one of your people. To go with them, and maybe you'll find some good stuff to bring back, or maybe your character will be uh, killed when they leave, uh, and that's all sort of like part of your story. So it's really, it, it's really cool and an interesting narrative uh, experiment that I is surprisingly gamier than I thought for something like this. It's certainly a serious game, but uh, it has more sort of strictly game components than than I expected. That's this war of mine. This War of Mine, and it's available uh, on Steam. Cool.
0: All right, guys, we are uh, heading into the end of our show here, but I do need to carve out some tabletop time. Right now, right now. Are you a tabletop timer, Mr. Justin McElroy?
2: Well, Jeff, it's funny you asked. Why? Just last week, uh, I launched a brand new D&D podcast called The Adventure Zone, uh, where me and my brothers, Travis and Griffin, who make my show, my brother, my brother, me, and our dad play uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which I had not done much of at all before. Uh, And we actually just launched that uh, on, on iTunes. It was at the... (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, very briefly, at the top of the comedy charts on the, in the on the old iTunes, uh, and so I'm getting into Dungeons and Dragons, which I've never uh, I've never done before. You
0: actually figured out a way to add an additional McElroy to your empire. That's amazing. And finally, another and finally a podcast. I've always wanted to
2: try one, <laughs> uh, and now I'm finally making a podcast.
1: <laughs> well, this is the good time for me to announce: I'm launching a podcast where I. Um, summar, Summarize. It's basically like the Talking Dead, but it's the Talking McElroy, and it's just me about all of your podcasts. So we'll look for that. L- I'd love to guess on that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I have a lot to add. So are you a are you a experienced Dungeons and Dragonser, or are you? Is not, this a new thing?
2: Not at all. Uh, I've played a lot of uh, um, uh, other board games. I've always been limited by uh, sort of having available. Uh, people i have some friends that we try to get together once a month to play um but yeah i've had like one or two dungeons and dragons experiences um in the past but this is like the most we've we've now played three times which is the most i've ever so are you doing fifth edition the new fifth
0: edition or yes yes we are and who is griffin's griffin's the most experienced so he's the the dungeon master he's the dungeon master Um, and are you playing pre-made scenarios or is he making stuff up for you guys
2: he started with uh, one that, that came with, and then it uh, just in this last uh, play session, he sort of abandoned it and, and struck out into uncharted territory that he was crafting from his mind's eye. So, this sort of awesome. a hybrid, I guess.
0: And what, what uh, class are you playing? And tell me about what your experience I'm a, is. I'm a wizard okay. named, uh, uh, the, my name is
2: spelled T A A K O, it's pronounced Taco. And uh, I'm a wizard. <laughs> named taco who you know he's just pretty much standard elven wizard guy got the magic whistle and all that all that uh stuff um are you digging it it is fair yes i am i i still find the rules like super daunting like i'm always feel like i'm just barely hanging in there and it's harder because like i know it doesn't make good podcast radio to ask like for the thousandth time what i'm rolling against and like what number i'm trying to get and that kind of stuff so like a lot of that is it seems very daunting to me it's still kind of weird that there's not like more that that to even be doing it with like dice and paper still seems very sort of uh odd to me like this hasn't been like uh, the numbers parts of it haven't been and i'm sure that there are you know apps or whatever that that can help with this stuff but um so I'm still trying to like wrap my mind around it, but I love the the storytelling portions and the role playing and and all that stuff. I'm deeply, deeply into it. Just still trying to wrap my head around the 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 rules.
0: Well, I, you know, I haven't listened to the show yet. I'm excited to now knowing knowing about it. But um, my experience I've mentioned before on the show in in bringing traditionally video gamers into D and D for the first time is that oftentimes video gamers have a hard time. Not approaching the game from a, what does the game want of me? Instead, right, because it doesn't want anything of you it it is a free form. do what you will in this situation, uh and I think video gamers are often you know they're they're always trying to go, well, you know that door doesn't open, obviously because that door doesn't have that symbol on it, so i'm going to go over here because the game doesn't want me to go there, but with d and d the game lets you do whatever you want, and sometimes it can be difficult to break video gamers out of that mindset and really unshackle them and let them go you know go where your imagination takes you you want to think of something really bizarre and strange to do in this situation try it it's the dungeon master's responsibility to incorporate that into the narrative
2: yeah and it's hard to feel like um it's the 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 idea that the game is not something to be beaten right like because i think a lot of times in when we play video games we're thinking about the way to overcome like the question we're we're put Uh, that's put to us is how are you going to conquer this situation how are you going to beat this this puzzle how are you going to kill this guy how are you going to whatever solve a problem and it's hard to sort of disengage that part of my brain because when you're given sort of unlimited um Uh, you know, options for how you want to approach something, it can be very tempting to try to think until you find the most effective uh, way because that's how video games have taught us when the the most effective may not be the most,
0: uh, you know, the most conducive to a fun game experience. And I think that 5th edition has done some really wonderful things in trying to build into the rule set reasons to break you out of that behavior pattern. So, you know, your character has... Uh, a, a flaw and has a, a a goal a personal goal that it, it it wants and so and and you are rewarded when you role play in accordance with those certain traits those little features that it has and i think i think that's a really smart new mechanic that was built into fifth edition and uh it it engenders you know being creative It engenders creativity i think absolutely it's been a lot of fun Awesome. A couple of games that I've been playing this week. Uh, I mentioned Splendor on a previous episode, and it's been such a big hit with my wife. Uh, She actually requested we play it last night. Um, I'll mention just quickly again, it's a real easy, quick-to-learn board game where you're buying gems, and then uh, those, those gems you can convert into cards that have bonuses on them. So you're sort of building this engine to build bigger and bigger cards that give you prestige points. Really simple to learn. It's really simple to teach. Uh, it works great with two players, which is great. Uh, it goes up to four players. And the components are really, really high quality. The, the, the gems that you get are actually like... Um, casino chips so they have they have weight and they have heft and they feel good in your hand and you can plunk them down i think that goes a long way into making a game feel fun to play as well so that's a great game we've been enjoying uh that's good but two people i'm always looking for stuff for for my wife and i to play it's been a hit with Uh, my wife I, i really recommend it it's not that expensive it's called splendor I can't remember who publishes it. I'm looking around in my room to find it. But um, yeah, Splendor. It came out last year. Yeah, it works great with two players. Really, really great with two players. Um, Excellent. Uh, also, I want to talk about a game called Spyfall, which is uh, this game was a big hit at uh, BGGCon and Essen uh, this summer. It's a brand new game. In fact, you cannot buy it. They will not sell it to you. It's a Russian company that makes it. We're hoping it's going to be released here at some point. But at, as of this moment other than ebay you cannot buy it however and i couldn't buy it i couldn't get it uh, but i really wanted to play it and on boardgamegeek.com they have a print and play version print and play has become a big kind of big thing with unpublished games or rare games or certain certain types of games i've never really delved into the print and play world before but this game is so simple and i felt like "Eh, i can do this um and i do still want to support the game that the print and play version is up uh, with the full blessing of the creators. So it's not like you're stealing. Uh, and I do intend to purchase the game when it comes out. So this is a version of the game that doesn't have any of the art that makes the game look really cool. It's just text. But the game is so simple, and here's how it works. There are 27, I believe, uh, different locations. Uh, and you have a, a stack of cards that all say that location... And the locations can be like a uh, classroom or submarine or a uh, um, you know a, 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 a mall uh, whatever it's a, a location right uh, and there are everybody who's playing the game gets that card face down that says the location on it. One of the pers- one of the people playing doesn't get the location on his card it says spy So the spy has no idea where he is. Everybody else knows where they are but has no idea who the spy is. And everybody starts – the game is played by asking people questions. So you get to ask someone a question. And you are trying to – if you are not the spy, you are trying to figure out who the spy is but not make yourself seem like a spy and also not reveal to the spy where you are. So you're asking a question that is vague enough to not reveal where – The location is that everybody is but specific enough to try to make the spy reveal that he has no idea and he's trying to answer a question if if he's the one being asked uh bluffing his way through without revealing that he's the spy by convincing everybody that he he a knows where he is but doesn't want to reveal where he is to everybody else so it's this wonderfully subtle game of trying to say inf- good information but not say too much information to make it obvious not knowing who's who it's fantastic and it's really easy to print and play it because it's really just a deck of uh, 27 different decks of cards you can print them out on these little business card printer paper boom 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 really fun game big hit with the people i played it with uh i remember recommend it it's called spy fall sound cool to you guys or no you said you can't get it. You cannot purchase it at this moment, but you can download the files to print it out yourself, uh, which is what I did. And I hopefully it'll be uh, okay. a purchasable right. soon. Um, but uh, you can play it with just sort of blank. You know, you don't get the fun, cool art that the game is going to have on it. But you get right. you get just like a, a you know a, a card with the name of the place. So uh, really fun, good party game because super easy to to learn and you get the concept really fast it's like you only ask a question like so what are you going to wear tonight you know what are you going to wear to this place or what should i wear to this place whatever is a good question to ask and then the person has to answer but not you know if, if the location is a schoolhouse you wouldn't say like i would wear my school uniform you would say well i would you know dress something nice so that other people don't make fun of me you know, and it's like, okay, well, where mm-hmm. does he know where we are? Or we, what are we talking about? You know, but the spy might that sounds, Yeah, that sounds really cool. Right. And then the spy might say, well, I would, you know, I would wear what I usually wear every single day, you know? So it seems like, oh, well, maybe he's talking about a uniform or maybe he's talking about maybe a military, maybe it's the submarine. Really, really fun. Really clever game. Cool. Spy fall. IPhone. all right dudes uh that's gonna wrap up this episode we do have our parting gift so stick around for that but before we go uh justin thank you so much for being a part of the show i always love having you on um huge, Thanks for huge fan me. of everything nice. you do tell the people about the various branching arms of the mcelroy brand
2: well uh the the predominantly i'm the managing editor of polygon.com uh and that's a video game website the best one i think in my opinion uh and uh is there that i make a, a game podcast called quality control which is a a, ga- a show about video game reviews where i talk to a reviewer after they review a game and get them to sort of expand on some of their thoughts uh i do a comedy advice show with my brothers called my brother my brother and me um uh, that that has been going for a long time now. You can listen to that at com. I do a uh, a medical history podcast with my wife called Sawbones. She's a doctor, and she uh, educates me about weird, old um, medical practices. That's at com. And then there's uh, The Adventure Zone, the new podcast that uh, we just launched about D&D. And that's, uh, you can find that at MaximumFun.org. That's our podcast network, or you can just search for Adventure Zone on
0: uh, iTunes. Very cool. Christian, what's going on with you this week?
1: If you're in Los Angeles, Thursday is um, improv versus stand up at UCB on Franklin. It's um, UCB Herald team. Cardinal Redbird is doing improv. And then the stand ups are Mo Mandel, who you can watch on Conan on Wednesday, and Dean Del Rey, who's been on WTF and on Mark Marin's show on IFC. Just got done um, touring with uh, Russell Peters across the nation. So he's back in town. That's Thursday. That um, used to be Franklin. That'll be awesome. And then I'm trying to think what else is maybe happening. I don't know. The recording went well. The Congratulations. California rains. Thank you. Couldn't it stop um, potty jokes. Uh, no, I'm working on um, collecting some bonus uh, tracks, things. Like I did a story... Um, a year ago that I think is awesome so I'm I'm trying to collect some extra pieces and then I will um, put that album together hopefully for the beginning of next year is the plan Um, my goal is to have it come out before Witcher 3 um, because then I know you'll listen to it otherwise (laughs) I know you'll be lost Yeah, you'll be lost forever (laughs) but I think that's kind of Thursday UCB, Franklin and if you're not in Los Angeles tell your friend about the show who maybe is and review this show on iTunes we've hit a lull an iTunes review lull why don't you give it a review? You like it. Even if you don't like it, enter your review and then delete it. Like, don't submit it, but, like, you know, <laughs> enter that one-star review and then delete it and then be like, I don't need to do that. If you like it, review it. Do it. Do it. Do it right now. Right now, what are you doing? Don't get in a rack, but then do it. And then now do it. And I co-host this show with an iTunes top podcast-er... Jeff Kanata, So you got to like the show. One of the best podcasters, according to iTunes, Mr. Jeff Kanata. Well, also on... Uh, two the two of the
0: best podcasters, according to iTunes, on this very episode, because uh, Justin McElroy... Well, what am I
1: doing here? All right, I'll see you later, guys.
0: Right, <laughs> uh, Quality Control was uh, named a top podcast of 2014 on the iTunes, as was my show, We Have Concerns, which I do with Anthony Carboni. Uh, so excited about that news this morning. So I hope you guys will give that show a listen. It's at wehaveconcerns.com. Also the slash filmcast is over at slash filmcast.com. We talk about movies over there. Uh, we really do appreciate you listening to this show and we really do appreciate you spreading the word and telling your friends about this show and those nice reviews on iTunes as well. Alright, enough plugs. Let's get to the parting gift.
2: This is your part
0: a lovely bumper created by Sean Madigan and his wife. Uh, Christian thinks it's too long but I like it. We can, we can Maybe we can shorten it. I don't know. I like it. Uh, Justin, you have a, a nice parting gift, a little recommendation for the people that might not be a video game for them for this week?
2: The, my favorite thing that, that I watched in 2014 was Over the Garden Wall and I would like everyone to do the same thing and uh, just be delighted and charmed Uh, There are 10 little uh, mini episodes on iTunes and uh, I think on Amazon you can get them. It's about two brothers, one of which is voiced by Elijah Wood uh, on a a fantasy adventure trying to escape a forest and find their way home. And it is hilarious and heartwarming and thought provoking and scary and uh, really, really just the best thing. Movie, TV, whatever that I watched in 2014, so I think everybody should
0: do uh, the same thing. Wow, sold me. I'm going to check that out. Christian, what do you got?
1: Well, I mean, I, this can't, I mean, it's a show that I liked, but, ugh, I mean, that, I should feel like I should say watch Over the Garden Wall, even though I haven't seen it. Like, how can I not also recommend it? Um, 30 for 30 as an ESPN documentary series, where they 30 films by 30 directors, and a lot of them are on Netflix, and your are streaming um, provider of choice, And man, ooh, those things can sink their claws into me. Uh, Last night I watched two and a half of them, I think. Um, Brian in the Boz, um, OU, one of the greatest college linebackers to ever play, Um, played for the Sooners back in the day, kind of his rise and fall. And then um, going for the gold, the Tanya Harding story, where Nancy Kerrigan is not interviewed in it, but it's you know it kind of her upbringing and i think it paints her as a little bit of a sympathetic figure it's interesting um and i think all 30 for 30s are well done the Bo jackson one so good um so if you like sports or just documentaries i think they're all well produced check them out i don't think i've mentioned this before i couldn't remember if i had or not but uh,
0: the wife and i are plugging away through parenthood the show i think it was nbc show i don't know we're watching it on netflix so that's why i don't know and boy is it good heartwarming charming uh, same showrunner as Friday Night Lights which is one of my favorite shows of all time and a lot of the same cast a lot of cast members are popping up uh, as the seasons progress uh we are halfway through season 4 there isn't a single episode that i've watched that i don't think i think that i don't tear up uh, at some point um it's just it's just great and it's a wonderful thing to watch with a loved one because it kind of talks about family and conversations that you want to have um so I recommend it. Parenthood. Uh, it's on Netflix. So that's going to do it for this show. Uh, thanks, Justin McElroy, one of my favorite people on the internet. Um, couldn't be more excited to have you on this show of ours. Uh, thank you, Christian Spicer. Spikes- and um, thank you to Zach Holder for producing the show. Thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it. Until next week, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. Hey, <laughs>